Amen and amen. If you would, turn in your Bibles first to Psalm 150. And then, as you find that, if you would place your finger there and turn the other direction, turn back, actually, and go to Exodus chapter 35. We're going to be looking, starting in verse 30 uh, of that passage. And so, Psalm 150 and then Exodus 35. Those are our two passages for the day as we continue to look at this sermon series and the topic of worship. Um, and certainly, as we think about worship, um, we are called to do just that, that we are called to um, and, and made that we may make much of him, that we may praise his name continuously in a, in a wide assortment of ways. And I'm thankful for a church family who is uh, willing to stand and sit to show that. Um, and certainly I think about as, as we were doing that, I was thinking about the church that I grew up in and the, and the great memories um, from adults uh, who made church fun and who made it a place that we wanted to be. And certainly uh, as I was watching my daughter smile and giggle at us as we began service, I thought, what a great memory for so many of our kids to know that, hey, I'm in a church that they want to be here, that this is a family and uh, thankful for that this morning. This morning, we do turn our attention, though, as has already been said a couple times this morning, to creativity, this uh, realm that, uh, unfortunately, in the life of especially the American church, um, has been largely ignored, um, that we have kind of sidelined creativity a little bit um, in our church history um, as a, an American church. Um, but as we look throughout history, what we find is creativity has found its home best in the worship of God. And so we want to take a quick look at that this morning. So if you would, please stand with me as we honor the reading of God's Word, Psalm, starting in Psalm 150 and then moving over to Exodus chapter 35. Psalm 150 says this, though, Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And then moving over to Exodus chapter 35, we find there instructions given to Moses considering the construction of the tabernacle, the dwelling place of God. Then Moses said to the people of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name Bezal, and the son of Uri, the son of Hur, the tribe of Judah, and he has filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill, with intelligence, with knowledge, and with all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting stones for setting, and in carving wood, for work in every skilled craft. And he has inspired him to teach both him and Aholiab, the son of Ashmach, the tribe of Dan. He has filled them with skill to do every sort of work done by an engraver or by a designer or by an embroiderer in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen 
or by a weaver, by any sort of workman or skilled designer. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning, and we see your creativity all around us. We see it in the things that have been made. We see it in the, in the trees. We see it in the skies, in the distant galaxies. We see it in the creatures that roam over this earth and swim in the sea. And we see it in us. We see it in the, the various personalities and shapes and sizes. We see it in the gifts that you've given. Lord, you are a creative God. And you love it when your people use creativity to make much of you. In fact, you have put us in various places so that we will not be the same that we would show off the wide spectrum of who you are in all that we do. We pray this morning that you would use your word to inspire us. That we would go from this place and do what you have called us to. We ask this in the beautiful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. As we have talked about worship these last several months at this point, we have given ourselves a definition, just as a reminder, we've given ourselves of a, defi a working definition of worship that should be constantly in our minds as we go through all of these uh, different questions and all these different things. And the, the definition that we're giving is that worship is placing supreme value on God. Whether we're asking the question of who do we worship or why do we worship or where do we worship or with whom do we worship or here lately how we worship are one of the things that should constantly be going through your mind and my mind is how are we placing supreme value on him so that when others look at our lives, they say the most valuable thing to that individual, the most important thing to that person is God and the relationship with him. And there's not even really a close second. Can people look at our lives and say that? Do people look at our lives and say that? And my prayer has been that as we have gone through this topic of worship, that you have been allowing the Holy Spirit to, to evaluate you and to show you areas, just as he has been showing and teaching me about, hey, these are places where you can do better. These are places that you do great, but these are places that you could do better. And my hope is, is that as we continue on, that he would continue to do just that. As we continue to ask the question, how do we worship? What are the practical ways that we can show in our everyday life that we place supreme value on God? How that we would see areas that, oh, I could do that. Oh, I can do better here. Oh, I can. That's something that I hadn't even thought about. As we've asked that question the last few weeks, how do we worship? We've looked at three ways that are ways that I'm guessing. If I said, how do we worship to the congregation? These would probably be the most, uh, most named. These would be the most recognizable to everyone. That we worship through the word. That showing value to God means valuing his very words. The Bible that was given to us that, that we could read and understand and know what he desires for us. 
that we pray, that we respond to that word, that we have conversations with him, just as we would any, any relationship that we value, whether it's a husband and wife or a sibling or a child or, or a friend, that we would talk with them as well. In the same way, we talk to God. We have this incredible uh, ability to walk into his presence and just uh, explain and, and talk about everything that's going on in our lives. And then last week, we looked at singing, this incredible gift that he's given us that, that moves both our mind and our heart that is able to proclaim truths in a way that we can remember better maybe than any other way. And we have the incredible calling on all of our lives to make a joyful noise, not just to, not just to sing for those who may have that gift, that may have what, what we would consider a beautiful voice, but it is a, a calling on each one of our lives that we would proclaim his value and his grace through that. But as I said, those three, those three ways of worshiping, those three answers to the question of how do we worship through the word, through prayer, and through singing, those are ways that honestly most of us probably could have come up and not ever have listened to this sermon series. But this next one is one that this next word, this next answer to this question encompasses so much more than that, and it's creativity. Creativity. And that word, as, as we were talking about with the kids this morning, that word can, can be an umbrella for so many things. It's not limited to just music. It's not limited to just uh, drawing or painting. It's not limited to just uh, a few things. It, it is the width and the breadth of human abilities and talents and gifts and when you look at the, the early church, when you look at um, really most of her church history, what you find, as I said earlier, is that creativity finds its greatest home in worship. That some of the greatest pieces of art, some of the greatest buildings, some of the greatest songs, some of the greatest paintings, some of the greatest things that humanity has ever accomplished have been accomplished in the name of the Lord that he would be glorified, that, that we would look upon these things of beauty, these things of, of great worth and we would, to us, and we would look upon them and realize that they are all directed towards him. What we find is that creativity in the church is necessary and it's valuable. For us, creativity is using, and this is kind of a, a definition, overarching definition of what we're talking about today, but creativity is using our various gifts and talents for him. It's using our various gifts and talents to make his name known. And so we're just going to look at this a little bit this morning. We're certainly not going to do an exhaustive search this morning, but we're going to look at it a little bit. And first, we want to start in Psalm 150. So if you would turn back to that passage, if you've been in Exodus, Psalm 150 ends this great hymnal of Scripture, and there, it, what, a, what an ending it is. As the author makes clear the call and the desire of the heart of the believer, praise the Lord. What we find as we look at this passage together is that one way is not enough. Let me read this again to you, just at least in part. 
It says, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heavens, praise him for his mighty deeds, praise him according to his excellent greatness, praise him with the trumpet sound, with the lute and the harp, praise him with the tambourine and dance, praise him with strings and pipe, praise him with sounding cymbals, praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord, praise the Lord. It is evident that the heart of the believer is led to praise in whatever means that is ever whatever means or whatever shape that takes. As I was reading through some different things this week, one commentator, um, and I'm going to paraphrase this because he used a lot of very big words that I don't want to have to repronounce. Um, but he was talking about how in, in humanity, what we find is that we are prone to praise. In fact, he talks about in this, in this article that I was reading how Praise seems to be the culmination of us enjoying something. So let me give you two examples um, on kind of different ends of this spectrum. When you eat a really good hamburger, like everything's perfect, like the condiments are all in, in the right order, they're all in proportion to one another, there's not too much mustard, there's not too much ketchup, but you eat like the perfect hamburger and you take a bite of that there is something inside of you that the, the experience is not complete till you go, oh, that's good. <laughs> that's fantastic. Right? There's something inside of us that spontaneity, there's a spontaneity to it. There's, a, there's a, just a guttural reaction that our enjoyment of that, that food, our enjoyment of that burger is not complete until we say it's good, till we praise it. In the same way, going to the far end of the spectrum, and I am making sure to say far end of the spectrum, when we are with our, our wife or our significant other and we are enjoying them and we appreciate them, there is something inside of us that is moved or should be moved to say, you are beautiful, you are wonderful. Our enjoyment of that person is not complete until we express it with our lips. In the same way, if we have known the God of all the universe, if we have known the lover of our souls who completes us, who satisfies us, who brings contentment, who does all these things, it should be natural for us as human beings to praise him, to say, wow, he is good. He is great. It should be a part of who we are as believers that it comes out of us naturally to praise him. You'll notice in 150 that it says not only are we to praise God, but we are to do it in various places. It says praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his dwelling place. Praise him basically in the, the place of worship. Praise him there, but not only there. Praise him in his mighty heavens. We are called, yes, to come to one place, to gather together as brothers and sisters, believers in Christ, to make much of his name known here. But we are to do it wherever we find ourselves. Wherever we find ourselves. Whether it be in this place of worship or whether it be in the darkest of nights under the brilliance of the stars, we praise him. We praise God, we praise him in various places and for various reasons. It says praise him in verse 2, praise him for his mighty deeds, praise him according to his excellent greatness. 
We don't praise him for one singular thing. He is far too big and has done far too much for us to focus on just one aspect of who he is or what he has done. We could fill, uh, we could fill the skies. Uh, one song, uh, Nathan should probably sing this, not me, but one song talks about if the parchment or if the skies were parchment and the seas filled with ink, we could not begin to describe all that he is and all that he has done. We praise him for various things. And our testimonies speak that well. All of us can testify to his salvation, or at least if we placed our faith in him, we can all testify of his salvation. But each one of us has a story that's unique to us that we can testify of this. Some of us testify that he he has protected us from things, while others of us could testify that he has carried us through those very same things. That some of us could say that he has protected us from from great illness and others could say yes but he walked me right through it some of us could say that he has protected us from or blessed us with with jobs and that he's taken care of us and provided and others could say yes but he is also the one who walks us through when everything seems hopeless All of us have unique and interesting testimonies and stories and can praise him for so many different things. And so we praise God in various places for various reasons and by various means. Going back to our text one more time here in Psalms, it says in verse 30 and verse 3, praise him with what? It's the trumpet, the lute, the harp, the tambourine, with dance, with strings, with pipes, with cymbals, with every breath that we have, we are to praise him. The ESV commentary says this, it says, Not only is the topic of worship, not the topic of God, too great for merely human voices to do it justice, it also, the the act of worship praise, deserves the full expression of human energy and devotion. Let me read that again. Not only is the topic, God, too great for merely human voices to do it justice, it also deserves the full expression of human energy and devotion. Oh, friends, that we would understand that our worship, our praise of God is not just limited to what we do on a Sunday morning. It's not just limited to the word and prayer and singing. Those those are all wonderful ways that we've all been called to worship, but that he has provided on almost endless, endless avenues to lift his name up and to praise him. Whether it's through these instruments that we that 150 describes, whether it's through our singing, whether it is through dance or other means, there are so many ways that we can praise him, that we can make much of him. Which leads us to our passage in Exodus in chapter 35. In Exodus 35, we are introduced to a couple of very interesting men. One is Bezal, and the other one is Aholab. Well, let me find his name. Um, Aholab. Aholab. And these two men, what we find out about them is they are a picture of creativity in worship. 
when, as Moses and God begin to describe these two individuals, what do we see? We see that they are gifted in, in so many different ways. Some of it's woodworking, some of it's metalworking, some of it's in jewelry and cutting of precious stones, some of it's in uh, weaving and tapestries and in linens, some of it's in, um, in stonework and, and in carpentry. I may have already said that. But there are so many, like the list is just incredible what these guys are able to accomplish. And not only what they're able to do, but the fact that they're able to teach. I know many, I know many individuals that are incredibly skilled and gifted individuals, but the idea of them teaching that to someone else is a foreign concept. These men were not just skilled in these areas, they were able to teach others how to do it as well. They were able to multiply themselves. To say, hey, we need to get this project done. Let me teach you how to do this so that there can be more workers. As we look at that passage, though, one thing that stood out to me was the work of the Lord in worship, especially when it comes to creativity. And so I want, I want us to see just four things here. As we look at this passage, the work of the Lord in worship, what he does, what I believe he does in the work of every single believer. First, it says that, these two guys were called. Look there in verse 30. It says, see the Lord has called by name. Oh, let us never forget. Let us never forget, friend, that we have been called by name. You have a testimony that is unique to you. And the Lord, and part of that testimony, though, for all of us, is that he placed you in a particular place at a particular time, that you may hear of him. And then he called you to himself. There was a day when he said, I want you, come here. I want you, come here. I desire to have a relationship with you, come here. And he called us by name because he's known us since before we were a twinkle in our father's eye, as they say. He has known us since the beginning of time, and he has put us in the right place at the right time, that he may have a relationship with us. He desires you. He calls you. Not only does he call, though, he also fills. You look at, at verse 31. It says, and he has filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill, and with intelligence, with knowledge, and with all craftsmanship. He has filled him with the Spirit of God. Now, this is an interesting phrase because to be filled with the Spirit of God is not something that we see on a regular basis in the Old Testament. There are a very limited amount of occasions where the Old Testament discusses the Spirit of God and certainly a limited amount of places where it, it says that he filled somebody with the Spirit of God. That seems to not be a part of the faith experience in the Old Testament. And so it's interesting here that as he describes someone that is gifted in all these different ways so that he may uh, help put together the tabernacle so that he may worship in these manners, that he would say that he is filled with the Spirit. An even more interesting thing, though, is what happens in the New Testament. In the New Testament, we go from, the, from being filled with the Holy Spirit being a rarity to being filled with the Holy Spirit, something that every single believer experiences. 
Jesus, on the night of his crucifixion, is with the disciples, and he says, I'm sending you a helper. When I go away, I'm going to send you a helper, and he is, he is going to move in you. It is the Spirit of God that will be with you, that he will fill you. And then he talks about all the different things that the Spirit accomplishes in our lives, one of them being that the Spirit lives in us, that the Spirit would help us to make God's name known. And it becomes a regular thing. We see as soon as uh, Jesus' crucifixion happens, we see after the resurrection at what they call the day of Pentecost. It's the day that, that the, Jesus returns. He ascends. Okay? We see shortly after that that the Holy Spirit descends, the Spirit of God descends on believers. And, and the imagery there is like flames of fire. Later in Acts, we see it happen to the Gentiles, that there's, there's a non-Jewish population, a church, and and we see the Spirit descend upon them. And we understand as we continue to read through the New Testament that God fills every believer, everyone that puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. God fills them with the Spirit that He dwells with us. That should, that should be a thing of awe for us. I am as guilty as anybody of say, using the word awesome far too often. But when we think that the God of all the universe, the one that created every living thing, the one that put the stars in their place, that rose the mountains to their heights and the valleys to their depths, the one that is all-knowing and all-powerful, the eternal God, that he dwells with us as individuals, that should produce in us all. Oh. So the Lord works in our lives in the act of worship by calling us to himself, by filling us with his Holy Spirit, and by inspiring us. Look with me at verse 34. It says, And he, God, has inspired him to teach both him and Aholilab, Aholilab the son of Eshmach of the tribe of Dan. He filled them with skill to do every sort of work done by an engraver or by a designer or by an embroiderer in blue and purple and scarlet yarns in fine twined linen or by a weaver, by any sort of workman or skilled designer. Not only does he call, not only does he fill, but he inspires us. There's something about the work of the Holy Spirit that he lights a fire in us, that he gives us passions and desires that we would then go and carry out. My guess is, is that as we, are, we hear the description of these two guys and all the things that they can do, that there was a desire in them to do these things, that they loved working with their hands, they loved creating things. And that God had gifted them to do that. And not only that, but he had gifted them to teach. I, told, I said earlier that it's one thing for someone to be good at something. It's another thing for them to be able to teach someone else and to multiply themselves. But he had inspired them. He'd given them that passion. When I look at a, at a good teacher, whether it's in the church or whether it's in a school or whether it's a, a craftsman, when I see a good teacher, I see someone oftentimes that loves teaching they love their student. They love passing along that information. There is, an there is an unquestioned desire inside of them that they can't help but to instruct and to do it well so that those individuals may have those same skills, that those, those individuals may have that same knowledge that they do. 
But there is a passion and a desire that the Holy Spirit puts in us. And he has put it in you as well. If you are his, if you are truly one of his children, then he has given you gifts and talents and he is building a fire inside of you to use those gifts and talents, a passion and a desire to make his name known through those things, whatever they may be. Maybe it is carpentry. Maybe it is painting or maybe, it's, maybe it is singing. Maybe it's an instrument. Maybe it's just encouragement to other people. Maybe it's quilting. I'm, I'm thinking of, of all the different gifts in our, our church or stained glass. Maybe it's building. Maybe it's cooking. But God has called you. He has filled you with his spirit and he has inspired you to do something. God does not call Christians to be couch potatoes. He does not call us to sit on the sidelines as others do all the work. He has called each one of us to be engaged in the body of Christ that together we may display the creativity and the, the wide spectrum of God's uh, greatness through our own gifts as a collective group. He's called us, he's filled us, he's inspired us, and he has commanded us. Chapter 36, going a little farther than our passage this morning. It says, Bazel and Aholiab and every craftsman in whom the Lord has put skill and intelligence to know how to do any, any work in the construction of the sanctuary shall work in accordance with all that the Lord has commanded. You see, God calls us. He desires to, to bring us close. He fills us with the Holy Spirit his presence dwells with us. He gives us gifts and talents. He inspires us. He builds a fire in us that we would, have, we would have a passion to go out and to do things. And then he commands us to go. He commands us to go. He says, I haven't given you all of these things. I haven't called you. I have not built you. I've not given you talents and gifts. I have not uh, I've not inspired you. I've not given you these passions and desires that you may go hide in a closet. I've given you all these things to go and to do things, to be a part of something bigger, to be a part of the kingdom, to make my name known. So go. It's kind of like one of those little cars that you played with as a kid that you would pull back on. And you just kept pulling the tension tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter. You don't do that so that then you can go put it in a drawer, right? No, you do that and you want, you want to get it at that car, as, the tension on that car as tight as you can so that when you let it go, you can see how far it's going to go and how fast it's going to get there. In the same way, the Lord is building in us that tension. He should be building in you a passion and a desire. And he's doing that not just so he can let you sit and spin your wheels in one location. He's doing that because he wants to let you go and see what you can accomplish, what he's made you for. He calls us, he fills us, he inspires us, he commands us. Which brings us to the last part. How will you worship? How will you worship? We have all been called, we've all been commanded to read his word, to pray, to sing, and certainly we should accomplish those things. We should have a desire to do those things. 
But this morning, the question goes beyond that. The question that we look at this morning is, how has he made you unique? How has he made you a member of this church, a member of this family, so that you may worship here in a special way? How has he made you unique that you may show off your creativity, your unique gifts? And so we got to ask a couple questions in that. One, what is your testimony? If we're going to ask the question and how we can worship, then we got to ask the question, what is your testimony? What is your story? What has God done in your life? Last fall, we spent a great deal of time of, of talking about our stories and, and remembering what God had done for us as individuals and what he had done for us as a church. Do you recall those things? Do you have a story? Certainly this morning, if, if you sit here this morning and you do not know him as your personal Lord and Savior, then everything else that I'm talking about is mute. Not that you don't have gifts and talents, you do. But first and foremost is a relationship with him. To know him as your savior, to know him as your friend. What is your testimony? How is it unique? One of the things that we said consistently last fall was that your testimony is personal. It's personal. Your testimony is unlike anyone else's. But your testimony is also not private. It's meant to be shared. So what is your testimony? Second, what are your gifts? As I look around this room, it's so, it's so evident to me as I look up and down the rows and through the, through the chairs that God has gifted us well. That he has put some incredible individuals, each and every one of you in this place at this time for a purpose. And we are gifted differently. Some of them might overlap some. We have a lot of wonderful cooks. We have a lot of wonderful musicians. But they overlap. There, there are, even in that, those areas, there are unique gifts and talents that we can encourage and build and be a part of something that makes the whole greater than the individual. What are your gifts? How has God filled you? What passions and desires has he given you? What areas of ministry has he flooded your mind with? For some of you, it, it may be prison ministry or it may be with children. It may be with outreach. It may be in building things. Again, the, the avenues of worship, the avenues of praise are almost unlimited. What is it for you? That, what is the reason that he has placed you here at this time? And how do those things combine? How does your testimony and your gifts, how do those things come together in such a way that you can begin to praise God, that you can begin to enjoy all that he has done in your life by expressing it back to him and back to those around you? How do your gifts and your testimony come together for you to worship, to make much of him? specifically in the church. There are times that we are given to be individuals, and there are times that we do things just on our own, just between us and the Lord, and certainly those are good times. Those are precious moments, so to speak. But 
He has largely put you in the context of a family of God. And if you are still here, if you are drawing air in your lungs, I don't care how young you are. I don't care how old you are. He has kept you here for a reason. Paul says to live is for Christ. To die is gain. To die, die is to go into your reward. But on this side of that, he has a purpose for you. He has given you a gift. How are you to use it? How can you find a way to use it in this church, in this family? Those are the questions before you. What is your testimony? What are your gifts? And how do these things combine for the benefit of his name, for the glory of his name, and for the benefit of his church? John Piper has made this phrase popular, but it's fitting. God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him. Friends, he has given you a passion and desire. And when you use it for his name, you will find life and life abundantly. I'm going to have the praise team come back up and we're going to have a time of response. My prayer is this. My prayer this whole week has been this singular thought. Oh, that you would give us the passions, that you would stir in us, that you would inspire us. Friend, how, how is he doing that this morning? What are the things that you need to begin to pursue? Because you know, he's, he's given me this desire. He's given me this talent, this gift. How can I use that in the church? I pray that you would find that this morning. I pray that you would pray that you would look for him closely. Let me pray. Father, we come before you and Father, we are thankful for this church family. We are thankful for who you are and what you've done in our lives. We are thankful for the talents and the gifts that you've put in this room and for the people that they are are part of them we ask that we would help that you would help us to focus on who you are and all that you've accomplished in us and that as a response to that that we would desire to to bring what you have given us to the table and say how would you have me to use it lord that every member of this church would see their area of ministry and the way that they can contribute the way they can make much of you and that when others look at our church they would say wow Look at what's going on there. God is doing something incredible there. I want to be a part of that. That we would find life and life abundantly in you as we use what the gifts and the talents and the desires of our hearts for your glory. Father, we pray this in the beautiful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. This morning you can come and to the altar. You can stand, but this morning you respond as the Lord would have you.